We're going to begin our worship by singing to God's praise in Psalm 95 in the Scottish Psalter, page 357 of the Psalm book, Psalm 95, and we'll sing from verse 1 to verse 6. The Psalm we sing as we approach God in worship, looking to him to bless our time and his word to us. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Come, let us everyone, a joyful noise, make to the rock of our salvation. Let us before his presence come with praise and thankful voice. Let us sing psalms to him with grace and make a joyful noise. We'll sing from verse 1 to 6 to God's praise. We stand to sing. Come, let us sing to Let's unite our hearts together in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, as we come with these words uh, ringing through this building, we thank you that we come offering up our praise to you. We come offering up our worship to you, the one who is the maker, the creator of all things, the one to whom all things belong. We can so often live in this world and we see it all around us, thinking that so much belongs to us, that we have made so many things that we think are for our own possession. They are of our own making. They are for our own good. But we thank you that your word reminds us that every good and perfect gift is from above, is from the one who changes not. And these words remind us that you are the one who not just made them for a moment, but for all eternity, that you made the heavens and the earth and all that's in them, and you made your people, you made people in your image, 
And we thank you, Lord, that you're the one who sustains and keeps us, that you are the one who, who knows everything about us, Lord. You are the one who has marked out every path in our life. You are the one who knows the end from the beginning, for you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And Lord, we come to you as dependent upon you for all things tonight. Thankful for the, the joy of worship. Thank you for the gift of praising your name. Thankful for your word and seeking its blessing to us and you this evening. Thankful for this, your day, a day that you have set aside for this purpose, that in the busyness of a week gone past, that we have a new week beginning now, Lord, and we begin it setting our focus on you, seeking your blessing uh, to us as a people and uh, as a community and for all around us. As we go into this week, O oh Lord, we pray that you will be with us, leading us and guiding us in every step we take. And so we come, O oh Lord, to praise your name this night. We come thankful for every blessing that is ours in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thankful for the, the words that we have sung there, salvation, how you are the God of salvation, how you are the one who is able to save and save to the utmost. And we do pray, Lord, that your great work of salvation will go on in this place and all around us, that you would call and draw people to yourself by your spirit and through your word, that you will even prepare our hearts now to receive your word to us, that you will help us to put away all other thoughts that may be cluttering our minds and distracting our focus from you. We pray that you will help us to have ears to hear what you are saying. And so, Lord, prepare us as we seek to prepare ourselves that we might receive from you. And we ask, Lord, that we would not just receive in a selfish way where we keep it to ourselves, but that as we go on into this week that we would seek to share what we have with others. For we have the glorious gospel. We have the good news of Jesus Christ. We have a news that is able to turn the world upside down. And we see its great need today, O oh Lord, when all that goes on around us, we see it in our own hearts, O oh Lord, first and foremost, how so easily we fall away from you and are called towards you. How so easily we are consumed by our own lives and what we want instead of seeking your will. And so we pray that from our hearts that you will transform us and change us and that you would use us, Lord, as your people, as your church here to serve you in this place and to serve you far and wide, both practically and prayerfully. And we thank you, Lord, that together we have strength, that in your name we have strength. And that through your presence, we have that promise of your strength with us. So we do not do anything by ourselves or for our own glory. We seek to do all things for your glory. And we pray, Lord, for this week ahead of us and all that it entails, that all that we would do, we would do as to the Lord. So that wherever we go, in our homes, in our families, in our workplace, uh, be it into school or college or university, uh, be it with anxieties and worries in our hearts or great sense of joy and anticipation looking forward, that whatever circumstances we go into in, this, in these coming days ahead, God willing, uh, that you would help us, help us to know that you are with us, help us to, to look to you and to trust in you and to depend on you uh, for all things. And we do know, Lord, that there are many who go through different trials and emotions in this world. We know it in our own experience. We see it in the experience of others. And we know, Lord, that broken hearts and grief and sorrow are never far from us. And so we seek to commit those who, who need you in these particular ways to know your comfort, to know your blessing, to know your peace. We know, Lord, that you know every circumstance, even unknown to us, and so we thank you that you would be precious to people, Lord, who need you in these ways. We pray for your church, O oh Lord, that you would protect it, that you would build it up as your word has promised. And we pray, Lord, that you will come in your, in your power, Lord, throughout our islands here, throughout our nation, throughout the world. 
We thank you that your kingdom is of great power and might. We pray the prayer week by week, Lord, that your kingdom come. And we do pray it, Lord, even now, that you would come, that you will come and convict those in sin, come and challenge those whose thoughts are towards evil and self-gain and prosperity. Convict and convert them, Lord, we pray. Bring peace to lands that know trouble. Bring, O oh Lord, calmness in the midst of very difficult situations, tragic circumstances, as we've seen in Morocco and Libya, and the natural disasters taking place there. And, O oh Lord, there is never a day that goes by when there is not news of some tragedy uh, near and far. But, Lord, we pray for your grace. We pray for your mercy to be upon us. We pray for your word to go out with power even in the midst of all of these things, that your word will be heard, a word of peace, a word of comfort. We remember your people throughout the world, those who are persecuted for their faith, those who suffer greatly just to have the name of Jesus on their lips and to confess him as Lord. But we thank you that you are with them. We thank you that you are the one who upholds and strengthens, that you're one who has promised, O oh Lord, that they will be blessed. And we pray, Lord, that your people far and wide will know your blessing over them, that they will know your great presence. We think of Stephen in the book of Acts and how even as he was persecuted and stoned, that he had a great vision of his own saviour, the heavens opened, and his Lord standing at the right hand of God. And we pray that your people uh, here and everywhere throughout the world would have a greater vision of Jesus, that we would see him, that we would fix our eyes on him, so that in all that we do, O oh Lord, our gaze would always be upon him, that we would look to him as the one who is able to provide in all our needs. And so, Lord, as we continue in our worship at this time, we thank you for all that we have from your hand. We thank you for the blessings that have been ours already this day and our service this morning with the baptisms taking place. We thank you for the families who are gathered and for the children baptized and for parents and grandparents and all of us gathered together as a congregation watching on. And we pray, Lord, your blessing on us to continue over us in all of these things. We ask, O oh Lord, now that you will guide us in your word, that you will help us in our praise to lift up our hearts to you, that you will hear our prayers as we offer them up in and through the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, as we come as sinners before you. Uh, humbly we come, Lord, pleading that you will forgive us, forgive us all our sin, forgive us and cleanse us, create in us a clean heart as we sang this morning and renew within us a right spirit as we ask all of these things in the name above every name, the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, for his sake and glory. Amen. We'll again sing to God's praise. We'll sing in Psalm 47. This is in the Sing Psalms version, page 62 of the Psalm books. Psalm 47. Uh, we'll sing the whole of this psalm. The tune is Warrington. All nations, clap your hands and shout. Let joyful cries to God ring out. How awesome is the Lord Most High, great King who rules the earth throughout. We'll sing the whole of this psalm to God's praise. We stand to sing. All nations clap your hands and shout, let joyful cries to God ring out. How awesome is the Lord Most High, great King who rules the
can turn to read together now in God's Word in the New Testament and Paul's letter to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. We take up our reading at verse 2. Colossians chapter 4. We're taking up our reading at verse 2, reading down to the end of this chapter. Continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and a and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, on Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea, and to Nymphan, the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see also you read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, 
write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. And may God bless that reading from his word. We'll again sing to God's praise in Psalm 111. In the Scottish Psalter version, page 391 of the Psalm books. Psalm 111, page 391. You can sing from verse 1 to verse 5. The tune is St. Paul. Praise ye the Lord with my whole heart. I will God's praise declare where the assemblies of the just and congregations are. The whole works of the Lord our God are great above all measure. Sought out they are of every one that doth therein take pleasure. We'll sing from verse 1 to 5 to God's praise, and we stand to sing. Praise ye the Lord with my whole heart. I will God's praise declare with the assemblies of the just and congregations are the whole works of the Lord our God are great above all measure, sought out they are of every one that doth therein take pleasure. His work most We can turn back to our reading in Colossians chapter 4. We can look at verse 7 down to verse 11 together this evening. Colossians chapter 4 at verse 7. Dechikis will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts, and so on. A couple of weeks ago in the evening, we were looking at the first chapter of Nehemiah, and there we were looking at Nehemiah and seeing that he was a man of vision, a man who was looking around and hearing about what was going on in his beloved Jerusalem, how the walls had fallen down, how they were in, in great trouble and great need and how he had a burden for the people and the place that they might be restored and built up once again. And we will come back maybe to look at some more of Nehemiah in the coming weeks, but as you look at Nehemiah and the vision that he had as he was looking ahead and seeing what needed to be done, 
There were other things that he needed for himself as well. We, we read it through Nehemiah and his preparation for going back to Jerusalem that he was looking to God. He was praying to God for his help, for his presence to be with him. But there was something else that Nehemiah needed for the work and the vision to be fulfilled. And that was people. He needed, needed people to be with him, to be alongside him, to be working together for the kingdom of God, to see the blessing of God and the restoration that might take place. And it's that I want to focus on this evening here in Colossians. People. Do you feel a part of the congregation here? Perhaps this is where you come every week. Perhaps maybe tonight you're just passing through, you're just visiting. But whatever your situation tonight is, do you feel a part of the congregation here? Do we have that collective vision of the Lord as we come in here tonight, that whatever our situation is, we're all looking to God, seeking his blessing? Do you feel a part of the congregation? Do you feel you have something to offer the congregation? Again, whether you're here regularly or just passing through, do you feel you have something to offer the congregation here? We all have something to offer. The Lord has made us all different, but for a purpose. He's given us a purpose to serve him. Our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, as the shorter catechism tells us. And in so doing that and seeing that working out in our lives, we all have something to offer God in that way, how we glorify and enjoy him together. Well, as we look at the conclusion to Paul's letter to the Colossians, it would be easy for us to just skim over this last part of chapter 4. When you look at it, you maybe don't think it's as important as the rest of the body. If you've read through Colossians or if you heard services on Colossians, you know that there is a richness in this letter about the glory of God and Paul's ministry to the people. They're the preeminence of Christ in chapter 1. There's such beauty and theology there. And then as you read on, there's practical ways that Paul is teaching the people to live together. But then as you come to the end of the letter, perhaps you think, well, there's no real deep theology here. There's no deep teaching here, or there's no practical purpose in this last part of the letter. And yet, the closer you look to it, you see it as both. There's rich theology and teaching here, and there's very practical teaching for us as well. So it would be easy for us just to glance across it, brush over it, and not really see the importance of it. In some ways, it reminds me of a book. As you're reading a book, and you start reading a book, either at the beginning or the end of a book, you'll often find a section by the author that's acknowledgments, acknowledging people, either maybe family and friends who have supported him, or other friends who have helped in preparing the book for publishing. And the list can go on and on sometimes, a list of names. But who reads it? Do you read these things if you start to read a book, or do you skip past that and just get into the contents of the book itself? Well, as Paul is writing his letters in the New Testament, you find that both the beginning of his letters, maybe the opening few verses, and the last verses, you can often be parts that you just skim over them and not see just how important they are. Perhaps it's just a list of names and it's got nothing much to say to me. But there's more to it than first meets the eye. When you look at the people mentioned here, and we're just going to look at verse 7 to 11, that we could go on through to the end of the chapter where there's a lot of different names mentioned here of people who Paul is thanking them for different ways that they've supported him and encouraged him in, in his ministry and for the spread of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, as it's spreading throughout so many different parts. He's thanking them for their help and for their involvement in this. 
We often can speak today about team ministries or every member ministry. We have these phrases that we can put out in our own day. But as you look at the scriptures, as you look at Paul's letters here, you find that he was someone who had this vision of team ministry, of everyone working together for the good of the kingdom of God. And that's the challenge to ourselves today. Paul here mentions a variety of different people with different gifts used to spread the gospel and to encourage believers then, far and wide, and ourselves to this day. At the heart of it all is God and his goodness. At the heart of it all is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. But through this is also people being used to spread the gospel. And so we're going to focus this evening on verse 7 to 11 and look at five people who are mentioned here and just take a little bit about each of them and think about ourselves and the lessons that we can learn from them and apply to ourselves as a church, individually, in our own lives, on a daily basis. So that even as we go into this week ahead, that what we look at this evening will make us think, how am I going to be different in the week ahead? Am I going to change things in the week ahead in my attitude and how I live, in what I do, in what I say, in all of these things? Am I going to think of what these people mentioned here, and what God's word is saying to us? How is it going to change how I live in the week ahead? So let's look at these, some of these people that we have mentioned here. And the first one we have is in verse 7 there, Tychicus. Now, here is someone who, along with Onesimus, was key to having this letter delivered to the church at Colossae. And this was no small task in itself. Paul was writing to them from prison at this time, and he was sending this letter to the people in Colossae, and someone had to be selected to take this letter. It wasn't a stamp put on an envelope and it popped into a letterbox, and the post office would see to it. This needed people to be standing up and to be willing to serve in this way. To take the letter to Colossae was a long way to go. It was a dangerous journey, and one that Paul needed trusty servants to undertake. And here we are told of two of them who were entrusted with this, Tychicus and Onesimus. They were entrusted with taking the letter to them. So, Tychicus was sent with a purpose. Paul, we see here, trusted him. And what we see about Tychicus is he was an encourager. He says here, he is, Paul says of him, he is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. What wonderful words to speak of anyone who's working in the gospel. Man or woman, boy or girl, it doesn't matter. He is a beloved brother or sister, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. That we would be used in this way for God. He says in verse 8, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. He was selected for this very purpose. When you look at Tychicus in the, in the New Testament, you find him mentioned in different parts. And it reveals us more to us about him than just these few words here. You find him mentioned in the book of Acts, being with Paul again, going to deliver a collection that has been taken, money that has been collected for another church. He is found as the one who's entrusted with carrying this collection. You find him mentioned in Titus and Timothy, uh, being sent with letters to Crete and to Ephesus. He's experienced, he's well-traveled, a partner in the gospel with Paul. 
He's dependable. And these words expressed in verse 7 here show how Paul describes him in this, in this loyal way. A beloved brother, faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. Here is someone who has experienced much, who has learned much along the way. But in all that he's learned, he's willing to give. He's not holding it to himself. He's willing to give and to give sacrificially, to give everything for the cause of the Lord. As I say, these roles that he was fulfilling in delivering letters and delivering collections, they were all dangerous. They were all putting his life in danger. And yet he was called upon and depended upon again and again. So he was thrusted. And how did Tychicus come to be thrusted? By proving himself. By showing himself worthy of this. By putting himself forward for this role, for that cause of Christ in this way. His aim was to please the Lord in everything. He was beloved. He was faithful. He was a fellow servant. And every church needs these kinds of people. Experienced, faithful, dependable. People who put themselves forward. People who use the experience gained through life in so many different ways and to put it to use for the cause of Christ. He has gained so much experience through Paul's ministry through being with them in different journeys and different places, through relationships with the Lord that he's grown in, he's come to serve the Lord in this way. We need more and more of these kinds of people. Those who are experienced in the Lord, those who have learned so much over the years, to be there, to be depended upon, to teach the generation coming after to show them the way, to show what they've learned, to encourage others to come alongside and to help along the way. As you see here with Tychicus, that's what his purpose was. He was bringing news to them and to encourage their hearts, to enliven them for the Lord, to help them to go on in the strength of the Lord. So for ourselves, are we encouragers? Are we willing to put ourselves forward, to give ourselves to the Lord, to give ourselves wholeheartedly for the Lord? How do you learn to drive? There's probably some here who have perhaps just in the last year maybe passed their test, others who've been driving for years, but how do you learn to drive? You don't just sit a theory test. You don't just watch a DVD about driving and that's it. You're qualified to drive. You've got to get behind the wheel. You've got to go out in the car. You've got to drive the car and drive it in all kinds of different conditions. In nice, calm, sunny weather, in dark, wet nights, and snow and ice. That's how you learn through experience. And that experience teaches you, and you can pass that experience on to others. And that is how it is with the Lord's people too. We need people like Tychicus, encouragers in the Lord. People of experience in the Lord in different ways, in different situations, in different circumstances, who can come alongside others and encourage their hearts. So it's so important to have people of experience who are willing to give in the same way as Tychicus. So as we go into this week, are we going to be like that? Are we going to be encouragers? Are we going to be people putting ourselves forward, using our experience for the glory of God? The second one we see here is who was alongside Tychicus and delivering the letter was Onesimus. 
And what do we see here of Onesimus? He's an interesting character here. Just to see him mentioned, it says so much to us because it reminds us of the power of the grace of God. Look at what it says about him there in verse 9. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. There's only a few words there, but it says so much to us. And to understand what, we, what it's saying to us, we have to learn a little bit more about Onesimus, who he was and what his background, what his experience was. And you, to do that, you have to turn to another letter, Philemon. And as you read through Philemon there, you'll read there of a, a slave that Philemon had. And this was Onesimus. He had lived in Colossae. He had been a slave, but he left them and he went on the run. Now, any slave who did this and was caught, the punishment would normally be to be put to death. You couldn't just abandon everything and run away in this way. There were serious consequences. But Onesimus, along the way, he met with Paul. And through his ministry, through hearing of the gospel, of the glory of Jesus, and the forgiveness of sin, and restoration, and all of these things, he had become a Christian. His life was transformed. He was a changed man. Onesimus had run away, but had met with the Lord had known his power. And now here he is coming back to Colossae, coming back to people he would have known, as it says here, he is one of you. It's wonderful to see this because it tells us of the power, the transforming power of the gospel. And it gives us two things, a number of things to consider, but two things in particular for ourselves here tonight. The first is this, as you think of being involved in the kingdom work of God, how we need people who are, if you like, local. People who know the situation on the ground. People who know the place and the people all around us. Onesimus was one of them. He knew them already. He knew much about them. He knew much about the place and how powerful and how effective is that when it comes to ministry, to have those who, who know the people and the place. Our church should be a place where we see everyone coming in. And we're thankful that we do so often. But we have to ask, are there any people missing, if you like? Of course there are. Because there's many more who could be here. We see people coming, sometimes from other free churches, free church people, we might call them. We see people coming from other churches. But a church is for all, and especially for the community, especially for the lost, for those who do not even know that they're sinners, for those who do not know that they are lost that they would come and meet with Jesus, that they would come and find forgiveness of sin, that they would come and be used for the Lord, that they would come and be transformed and be able to go out and meet with people they already know, to go out to a place they already know and share the gospel, the wonderful gospel of the transforming power of Christ. You can imagine Onesimus there walking around Colossae and people seeing him. Is that not the one who ran away? Is that the one who was up to no good? Where, what's he doing here now? And for him to be able to say, the Lord has transformed me. And to be able to share the gospel with his own people. Here is one on the run, afraid for his life. No intention of returning to Colossae until he met the Lord. 
How many of us have left this island, gone away, thinking we're going to get away from the Lord? We don't want anything to do with the Lord. And yet we're back here now, loving the Lord and seeing his goodness. And how many more do we want who perhaps have gone away already, praying that they would come, that they would meet with Jesus, even as they've gone away, and that they would come back changed and be used for God's glory in this place. And that's what we are reminded of here in Onesimus as well. It's the power of God's grace. He was a local one, but he was also one who experienced the grace of God. And God's grace is powerful to transform. That we always hold on to. Onesimus is there. He's now described as our faithful and beloved brother. What a transformation has taken place. So we have these two who are used to deliver the letter. We also see as we go on, there are three then we see together in verse 10 and 11. And they, we see that they were, they were Jews. Uh, in verse 11 it says, These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. They were Jews as well. So the three mentioned here are Jews who had come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we learn a little bit uh, about each of them. Aristarchus there, my fellow prisoner greets you. Again, just a few words, but what can we learn from Aristarchus? Well, we learn that he is loyal. And every congregation, every church needs, needs people who are loyal. When you look at mentions of him in other parts of the scriptures, you see that he has been on many journeys with Paul as well. But he's, he's almost like the unsung hero. He's more in the background. There's others who maybe come to the fore in different ways, but Aristarchus is, is just more in the background, but still so essential to the ministry, still so important to Paul and his ministry of the gospel. My fellow prisoner, it says there. He hasn't abandoned Paul. In fact, he stayed with him to be a, a comfort and a help to him. He has been a comfort to Paul, as it says in verse 11, and they have been a comfort to me. These three that we're looking at just now, they've all been a comfort to him in different ways. And what you find here is someone who was just faithful to the cause, didn't want the limelight, didn't want the glory, but just quietly getting on with things in the background. And every congregation is so often blessed with these kinds of people. We are blessed with it here. People who just quietly get on with things in the background. The little things that you don't notice, but if they weren't to do it, you soon would. Those who are loyal, those who are faithful, those who are always there to be called upon when needed. He has learned too from Paul of what ministry is about. What serving in the kingdom is all about. It's just being faithful in the little things. And that the Lord would bless that. He has been with Paul through it all. And just quietly getting on with things. He's loyal to him. It reminds me of a film I once watched. It was based on a, on a true story in the Second World War of a battleship that had gone through so many different experiences in the war. And on board was this crew who had been together through it all. They were almost always, it was just the same crew again and again. There was the captain of the ship and his second in command. They were together all throughout the war. And just towards the end of the war, the second in command got offered his own charge, got offered his own ship, that he would get promoted to captain and have his own crew, have his own vessel. But he turned it down because he wanted to stay faithful to the captain he'd come through so much with. He didn't want 
the glory for himself. He just wanted to be faithful alongside those he had come through so much with. And again, there's just a lesson there for us. Faithfully getting on with things. Being loyal, being faithful. Quietly getting on with things in the background. Being loyal to the kingdom of God and to the cause of Christ. Aristarchus is another wonderful example to us. Then you have Mark, as it says here, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Again, just a few words, and yet when you look into the background, it tells us so much. Even just Paul saying those words, if he comes to you, welcome him. Why would he be emphasizing this? What's the importance of these words? Well, when you look at Mark and Paul's relationship with Mark, it's been up and down, to say the least. In the book of Acts, you read in chapter 13 and then chapter 15 of an event that happened. And it gives us so much background to why these words are so important. In Acts chapter 13, verse 13 says, From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John, that's Mark, John Mark, as we'll see in a moment, left them to return to Jerusalem. So Mark had left them at this point. In Acts chapter 15, verse 37, it says this, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. They had a fallout. They had come to this point where they had gone their separate ways. And what does this tell us? Differences occur. We know it. We know it so often. Differences occur. But it tells us more than that. It tells us that differences can be overcome. That relationships can be restored. For now we see Mark and Paul together as fellow workers, fellow workers in the gospel. If he comes to you, welcome him. Never mind what you've heard about us in the past. Never mind what's maybe gone on and happened in a previous time in our lives. If he comes to you now, welcome him. So it shows us that even when we have disagreed with others in the past, when it comes to the kingdom of God, we should be looking for restoration. We should be looking for coming alongside one another and working together where that is possible. Welcome all who come in the name of the Lord. That is how we are to live. The final one we see here is justice. Jesus, who is called justice. Again, not much said here for us. But what it says there, they are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me, applies to justice here as well. So what does that tell us? Well, justice we can see here is the bold one. The one who is willing to make a stand. The one who is willing to show his faith in the Lord. He may be a Jew, one of the circumcision as he's described here, but he knows the Lord. And now he is standing for him. And so, what does that say to us? What does it say to you tonight? As we think of all of these the ones we've looked at, Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristarchus, Mark, Justice. You come to him. And this is almost where it begins. 
Are you making a stand for the Lord? Are you bold in standing out for him? For in order to serve the Lord with all your heart, you have to stand on his side to show that you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Will you stand on his side? The Gospel of Matthew tells us, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Are you willing to stand for the Lord? We learn lessons from all of these. This is Paul's team ministry, if you like. We could go on and look at others here as well. We learn from each of them. They're all important, as are we, as are we all, for the kingdom of God here, for the Lord to use us. There is variety. There is different gifts. But it's about maturing and developing together. And ultimately, it's about serving the Lord together and seeking his blessing over us as a people, as a congregation, as a community, as a nation, as a world, that the gospel would go out in power. As we go on in the week ahead, can we take lessons from all of these to be encouragers, the local one who's come good on Isthmus, to be faithful like Aristarchus, to be like Mark, one who shows that we're able to put things in the past away for the cause of Christ. Justice, being bold to stand for the Lord. We're all in this list somewhere. We can all learn from this list. We don't just glance over this and think, it's got nothing to say to us. It's got something to say to us all. There's lessons for us to learn. Are our lives lived for the Lord in the right way? Are we serving him as we should? And above all, are we trusting in the power of his glorious grace, the Lord Jesus Christ as our strength, as our help? as our refuge. May we all serve together as people looking to God, serving our Savior with all our heart, trusting, encouraging, and going on in his strength. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that there is no words in your scripture that are wasted, that even when there are times when we maybe see little relevance to ourselves. Maybe we only see a list of names that mean nothing to us, that even the names have so much to tell us and to teach us. And we thank you, Lord, for all that we've looked at this evening and how they encourage us and how they speak to us and how they might even enable us to go on in these days ahead, examining our own lives and seeing how we stand with you, how we serve you, how we stand with others, what we are doing for the kingdom of God. And we pray, Lord, that you will unite us together for your cause, that you will strengthen us in our number and in our faith and in our trust in you. Use us, Lord, we pray, whether we are passing through or whether we are here every day of the week, that we might be used for your glory to spread the good news of Christ. We ask it all the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to conclude by singing to God's praise in Psalm 134 in the Sing Psalms, page 175 of the Psalm book, Psalm 134a on page 175, the tune is Stuttgart. Praise the Lord, all you his servants. As you serve with one accord, praise the Lord in your night watches in the temple of the Lord. We'll sing 
these words to God's praise. <clears throat> praise the Lord, all you his servants, as you serve with one accord. Praise the Lord in your night watches in the temple of the Lord. Raise your hands within this temple to the Lord your God give praise. He who made the earth and heavens bless you from his holy place. After the benediction, I'll go to the door to my right. So we'll close with the benediction. Now may grace, mercy, and peace from God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon and abide with us all now and forevermore. Amen.